Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, my friends. I am so excited to be back and talking to you in this capacity. Welcome to the first episode of Catch Up with Louise McSharry. I've just been waiting for this day. It feels like for so long um, to be able to talk to you again and to start this new thing that belongs entirely to me. I'm so excited about that Um, and to create something new with you. I, I mean, If you're a regular podcast listener, I'm sure you know what I mean when I say a podcast is so much a meeting of listeners and creators and the space really belongs to everyone who who takes part. And a podcast is nothing without people tuning in and kind of giving it life. So I'm so grateful to you for being here. And I'm also super grateful to you for all the support that you've given me over the last number of months. Um... I've been pretty honest about the fact that I wasn't expecting to be transitioning from uh, the phase, the last phase of my life into this new phase of my life when it happened, came out of nowhere and it was a difficult one. Um, But I have no doubt that one of the reasons that I was able to kind of keep my head up throughout was that I just got so much incredible support um, from all of you. And you gave me confidence in the fact that I could do something all on my own and that uh, I would be supported and that I would have listeners. And it means so much to me that you, you know, communicated with me in that way and that you're here today. Um, So as I said, this is Catch Up with Louise McSharry. It is my new podcast. The idea behind this podcast is that I'm going to try and catch you up on the events of the week. So it's going to come out every Friday, um, not doing seasons or anything like that. It will be out every week. I hope even, I have ideas for, you know, if I go away on holidays or something, I'm still hoping I'll be able to get you an episode. It might be slightly different, but uh, I hope that I will be with you every single Friday. And this is my main thing now. You know, I'm completely committed to it and I want you to be able to rely on it too. I'm going to bring you one episode a week to start with. I've got loads of ideas. So who knows if I had my way, I'd be talking to you every day. (laughs) But for now, it's one episode a week. And each week I'm going to review uh, what's been going on in the world, what's been going on in Ireland in terms of the news. We're going to have a quick interview each week with someone who is relevant to the current goings on. Maybe they've released a book. Maybe they're part of a news story. And maybe there's someone who just has something new to say. And then we are going to review the cultural elements of the week, mostly 
the pop cultural elements of the week, but who knows? We could get lofty and highbrow sometimes. Um, that's the beauty, I think, of podcasts is that you know, what it is today, it might not be in six months. And we'll decide together, all of us, what we want this podcast to be, um, what you want to hear and and how it's all going to work. So this is really the start of a, a beautiful journey that we can go on together. Um, and I, I, once again, I'm just so grateful that you're here. So today, we have got Esther Omar Donahue is going to be chatting us through the celeb stories of the week later on. Uh, we are going to be talking about the announcement that we're getting not one, but two Real Housewives of New York stories or shows. I'm so excited about that. We are going to be hearing from Marion Keys, who I chatted to recently about releasing her her new book again, Rachel, into the world and how it's been a different experience for her compared to previous releases. But we're going to start with a catch up on the week's news with uh, the beautiful and super talented Aoife Moore, who you may know as Aoife Grace Moore online. Like Aoife is my real life friend now. And still I struggle not to call her Aoife Grace Moore, even though she's told me like a million times that only like I think it's her like her granddad calls her that. Anyway, she's here. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy. Aoife Moore. Louise McSharry. Together again. We meet again. Now, we have obviously been in contact. (laughs) (laughs) But we're back on the airwaves. Not in this capacity. Um, I'm so happy to have Aoife Moore, a political correspondent with the Irish Examiner, with me uh, to talk through the week's news stories. Aoife's going to be with us most weeks. Um, I will occasionally let her not be with us. (laughs) Um, But if you listened to me previously, you know Aoife. You know she's an incredible journalist. She covers incredible stuff for the Irish Examiner and covers it brilliantly. And she's very good in her lovely dry dairy way at (laughs) (laughs) covering the week stories we've actually got loads to talk about and of course we have to start in ukraine um because it's rumbling on it's incredibly um depressing i don't think anyone could have missed even if you're not even paying attention to the news i think the images you know someone pointed out to me that this is the first conflict that has really played out on social media Mm. you know we we obviously all remember you know the war and Iraq, but I think, you know, the sheer amount of, you know, images that we're seeing that are captured by mobile phones is a new thing. I get sometimes concerned that it kind of takes away from the human element because we're nearly living in a simulation. Mm. But as I say, yeah, Putin invaded Ukraine um, a number of weeks ago. Um, I think it's become quite clear that Putin came in for a bit of a land. Yeah. I think he thought this was going to be a lot easier um, than it has been. And, you know, bombing, shelling, bombing hospitals, res- uh, residential facilities for old people, truly horrific stuff. Um, you know, people are now arguing that are war crimes. Um, I think from the pictures you would agree. Obviously, the outcome of this is thousands and thousands of refugees are now in neighbouring countries. We know that Poland, for instance, has taken thousands hundreds of thousands of refugees and ireland has stepped up to the plate um i think i would like to say this is what we do best but Mm -hmm. for previous experience we know that our reputation with refugees and how we treat them is not always been great I yeah think. it's been kind of tricky I think to watch I, I certainly have felt conflicted about it mm. and I felt my own amount of guilt really about the fact that Ireland is throwing its arms wide open to people coming from the from Ukraine excuse me and that is how it should be like mm-hmm. it, it absolutely should absolutely, be these are people yeah. who are have been through incredible trauma who who have been forced to leave their country um and and they should be welcomed with open arms and you know facilitated in every possible way but 
when that's happening and, you know, things are being fast-tracked so the people coming from Ukraine can work, you know, all these kinds mm-hmm. of things are happening so quickly and, you know, seemingly so easily. It's hard to see that alongside direct provision still operating in this country. What I always come back to is that, you know, we're not that far away from the um, Taliban retaking Afghanistan. Um, mm-hmm. So have we decided that Putin is worse than the Taliban? Wow. Because we were not able to do this we were told we're not able to do this for people fleeing war in Afghanistan. That's such a good point. Like I was watching videos this week of girls crying because they they turned up to school. The Taliban said they could go back to school. They turned up and they were sent away. I think it's, you know, it is Helen McEntee um, and the government deserve massive praise um, for what they have done for Ukraine. Mm. It is astounding what the Irish government can do quickly when they want to. But they have painted themselves into a corner. They have, yeah. Because all I can think now is why could we not do this for other people? I mean, I I hope that the outcome will be that they will be forced to take mm-hmm. quick action. There will never be an argument now that they cannot do they, it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they argue, you know, this is a different set of circumstances. For instance, okay, when you go through the one-stop shop in Dublin Airport where they are processing Ukrainian people, you get your PPS number, you get a medical card, you get the right to work etc etc it's only for a year Mm. the feeling from the government and i've spoken to ministers about this after cabinet meetings and they say the feeling very much is this is a temporary thing this is why they're able to do it yeah that for me is not a good enough argument um i cannot imagine that we're going to deport all these people after a year we're not that's a fact if putin continues the way he's continuing if this does go on for longer than a year you know what what are we going to do then so i think yeah we've done amazing stuff thousands and thousands of people now have come through Dublin Airport, a lot of unaccompanied children, which is incredibly sad. They've got temporary protection through the European Union. We've got interpreters. We've got you know Ukrainian children starting school in Irish schools um, and everything else. So we are in for a huge influx. They're talking about modular housing. They're mm. talking about you know temporary accommodation centres and GAA clubs. Um, it has been. We are you know held up on the world stage as, you know, the shining example of what we should be doing. It's great. I think I mean, it's, it's the Cade Mela Falcha, isn't it? It is. It is. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, but I do think there is a darker element to this. And it is. If you were a person from Afghanistan who lives in Ireland, resides in Ireland, and sees people who look like you in direct provision, and sees Ukrainian people, you know, getting everything, like everything the Irish government can do for them is, they are doing for them, which mm. is 100% what we should be doing. Yeah. I would just argue we should be doing it for everyone more. We yeah, just can't exactly. say we can't anymore exactly well we'll watch that with interest um, now there was a bit of a funny one this is kind of a political story but it spilled over because it was on Liveline yesterday Eva, oh lord <laughs> well it's on Liveline it, it was on Liveline this week anyway mm-hmm. and um, you know there is no doubt that Michael Healy Ray gets himself into the papers very easily but this week uh, there was an interesting little interaction between him and Leo Varadkar yeah so it was in the doll um, it was during leaders questions um, for anyone who's not sad enough to watch leaders questions Leo Varadkar tends to take them on uh, when the days the Taoiseach's not there mm. there was a bit of an argument and Leo Varadkar insinuated in his response to Michael Healy Ray the TD for Kerry that he didn't understand the answer to a previous question wee bit condescending and Michael Healy Ray let on this if anyone has ever seen Michael Healy Ray he's like the energizer bunny like <laughs> the man has bundles of energy and he doesn't appear to eat anything because he's so small and petite um but yeah he is yeah he stood up and he made you know a good point he was quite impassioned he said you know 
what you said was quite condescending you insinuated I didn't understand the question that's I'm elected here as much as you're elected here and I would never talk down to you and yeah um, that wasn't very nice basically he said that's the crux of his argument was that this is very nice and then further on in his kind of rant and answer he said um and away with you and the airy fairy um, you know, kind of airy fairy, that kind of old saying of like away with the fairies, that mm. kind of thing. Um, I would say I watched the video. It is quite hard to make out what Michael Healy Ray is saying. Um, I'm not from the same place as Michael Healy Ray, so I have issues. He has, you want to hear us on the phone together? My God. <laughs> Neither of us speak in very good English. Um, Beautiful yeah. English, just your own dialect. Yeah, your own type of English, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I can't really make out what Michael Healy Ray says, and that's not a dig at him because he can't make out anything I say either. So in the video, it is quite hard um, to make out. And when Leo Varadkar stood up, he you could tell he was really hurt. Um, mm-hmm. He was like, what you've just said to me isn't very nice and I'd ask you to reflect on it and come back. Um, and if you want to retract it, you can. I think, and it's very clear that the way Leo Varadkar took it was that um, that Michael Healy Ray was making an insinuation about his sexuality. Mm. You know, saying airy-fairy. Do you like a very publicly openly gay man? Yeah, because yeah. fairy would often be used yeah, as a kind a of homophobic term. insult. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Michael Healy Ray was on, you know, uh, local radio and national radio saying yesterday, like, absolutely not. Mm. Um, some I read this in the paper this morning, actually. Michael Healy Ray said he voted against gay marriage, but he had a lot of friends that were gay. Which I laughed at because, like, you know, the old, like, all my friends are gay. I don't, um, I, I would love to meet Michael Healy Ray's gay friends. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just would love to. I'm not but saying they don't yeah, exist. I'm oh, just no, saying I'd like to meet them. The man with two pints. Um, so he, yeah, he was on radio and he said, listen, whatever Leo Vragger does in his private life is to do his, his business. I wish him a lifetime of happiness. That's absolutely not what I meant. And he pointed out that he has used the term airy fairy. A number of times previously in the mm. press um you know he said it last year when they were talking about changing different um terms he uh different things uh, it was a local issue and he said you know it's all airy fairy listen it's not for me or you to mm. decide if leo Varadkar was hurt or insulted he has more than enough right to be hurt and insulted and i think you know his antenna is going to be up because he is you know, one of very few openly gay men in Leinster House. Yeah, and like whatever you think about Leo Varadkar or Fine Gael or whatever, like the amount of abuce that mm. he is at the at the receiving end of. I is can actually just even say astounding. from my own experience. You know, anytime I do a story on Leo Varadkar, there's certain politicians um, that as soon as you put a story on Twitter about this politician, like I have to just put my phone in a drawer. Yeah. When you put up a story about Leo Varadkar on Twitter, um the sheer amount of hateful and spiteful and poisonous tweets yeah. are ridiculous. Um, we died of the story after I spoke to the Tanish a couple of months ago about gay blood donation mm. and it was horrific. Well, even I, I this is, is going to sound very like name drappy, but <laughs> I was at Lizzo in the Olympia. Oh yes, I remember that. And I was in mm. the same box as mm-hmm. him. I don't know him at all. We didn't speak that oh, night. So like I don't know him. But anyway, he was in the same box as me. And at the end of the gig, there were people standing, screaming up mm. at him insults. And I understand, like, people have a right to have political opinions and people have a right to be angry with him about, you know, what he has and hasn't done politically mm. and what he has and hasn't done in his role as a public representative. But, like, I do think if we want good people in politics... 
they have to be able to live lives. Yeah, I remember when um, you remember someone threw a milkshake on him. Yeah. And all I could think was that's really hateful, really humiliating for him. I'm sure he was quite unsettled by the entire thing. And I am such a big advocate for getting more people um, who look like Ireland and Leinster House. You know, I'm in there every day. It's a very white place, yeah. very able-bodied place. It's a very heterosexual place. And I think politics is only going to get better when we get more people who look like the rest of Ireland. I agree. And all I could think when I saw that was like, if you were even a woman, especially, or another person of colour, why would you bother? Yeah. Why would you bother getting into politics if yeah. this is how you're going to be treated? It's a totally thankless job at the best of times. Yeah. People say, oh, will they get paid a fortune? Yeah, they do get paid a fortune. But you've become public property. Yeah. And some of it is like, you know, they have Garda drivers now. You can't buy peace of mind. Exactly. You and know. Yeah, yeah, so I think um, I think probably if I came down to a conclusion, I think Michael Healy Ray would need to be more careful of his language. Yeah, just a little but bit I, more even sensitive. Even if he didn't mean yeah. what Leo thought he did. Yeah. Um, now, we've actually only got a few more minutes, so we're going to be really quick. Um, I wanted to just highlight a story this week, and I mentioned to you that, like, it's not even that this particular story is huge, but we see these stories all the time, and I think they need to be highlighted. Uh, stories of men harassing or violently assaulting women and seemingly suffering no kind of sizable consequences. Yeah, so this is a story about Jack Cleary. He is from Beaumont in Dublin. Um, he pled guilty during the week um, to threatening to pour acid in the face of a woman he met online. Um, they'd had a short relationship. She had a, she has a number of children. They broke up um, and he basically was on one um, mm. from then on. He presented outside her house. He told her that the only reason her home was not in rubble was because he knew that her daughter slept in the same room as her. Um, he said he would flood her house. Um, you know, just constant emotional abuse, threatening behaviour. And the children were the children, the children were, were the people in who the house. saw him outside the house. Yeah, the children were in the house and started screaming when they saw him sitting outside in the car. Um, he told her they would kill her, etc., etc. Um, so he has avoided prison. Um, the judge sentenced him to four years in prison, but suspended it for four years on condition that he engage with probation services and not have any contact um, with his victim. The judge noted that he had had mental health problems and he had neglected his mental health during the time of the offending but now he is back in with services and it's a reduced risk of offending listen i'm no big advocate of jailing everyone um i don't think you know it does much for anyone just throwing people in jail i think if we had better mental health and social services um we could actually stop people from reoffending. Yeah. but that is no solace to that girl no and her children knowing that you know this person who fair enough like the judge says that he's back in touch with mental health services but She's going to stay. That's what's scared for the rest of her life. She's scared, yeah. and her kids are scared. Mm -hmm. And that was acknowledged. Like the judge acknowledged that in his in his decision. Um, and and for me, it's like you know, I I know you're scared. I know your children are traumatized, but that's not enough. Mm -hmm. And and that obviously comes down to the actual legislation and the law. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's important that we that we touch on these things so that people really realize the frequency with which this is happening so and common. that maybe we can get motivated to try and affect some change, make it clear to, you know, when the next election comes around, when people are knocking on our doors to say the way that this situation, these situations are dealt with the day that the way that the law protects us as women is just not good enough. And I would also say even anecdotally, you know, this girl went to the guards 
There are so many women who, who have broken up with men, you know, short relationships, met them on Tinder or wherever else. The fella starts threatening them and they just block their number. And, and move it, on. And move on. And don't go to the Garda. Exactly. Like, even anecdotally, we all know, we've yeah. all heard stories from friends of friends of things yeah. like this that have happened. And this lad, you know, is four years to spend a sentence. And I hope he obviously does engage with mental health services or whatever. But he gets to go back to his life. Yeah. He gets back dating. Like, yeah. when do you think that girl is going to start dating again? Because I wouldn't be running back. No, me neither. Me neither. Um, finally, and very quickly, uh, uh, <laughs> I just don't even know what to say about this. Will and Kate went to Jamaica uh, mm-hmm. this week and they were, it, it seems like a tale of two two countries. <laughs> they were warmly received and also not warmly received. Yeah, so the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, Kate and Will as we know them. Um, Sorry, I'm just very, ca- I'm friends, like we're oh, on first you know, name terms. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> our close personal friends. You were in Lazat Lazo with Leo Bracker, so <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, so they have gone to a royal visit in Jamaica, which is, uh, part of the Commonwealth and for a good while anti-colonial sentiment has been growing in Jamaica they've kind of actually put it down to around Black Lives Matter that kind of thing and really examining the legacy of slavery mm-hmm. um, and there has been a number of protests all over Jamaica at the arrival of Kate and Will the royal family tends to do this um, which is why we had so many royal visits during Brexit when they feel that a relationship with a country is being a wee bit uh, or unraveling a wee bit they start having royal visits. Oh, yeah. It's, I've seen them do it on the crown. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of this diplomacy that they do. Mm. So they sent Kate and Will over. And I actually watched a really interesting piece on uh, Good Morning Britain and all things. Yes, Beanie Man. Beanie Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Beanie Man, you know, which is a no, um, rapper in Jamaica, and he basically said, you know, these people have profited from slavery. You know, they are direct descendants of the royal family um, who profited, we know, pillaged the continent and uh, everywhere else and they want the people of Jamaica I would say it is uh, from what I have heard the government in Jamaica has an overwhelming majority so this won't have to go to a referendum they actually believe that this government has enough support that they can now remove the queen as head of state Mm. which would be huge Mm. Um, a lot of countries have done this already Jamaica hasn't um they yeah there's been a lot of protests around Kate and Will's visit they want apologies they want reparations but even though it's quite weird even though they're on this royal visit they were basically saying on the news once Kate and William go the government are going to put things together now so they can just remove the queen and I was like imagine if you were William going back to your granny and be like well we tried (laughs) sorry gran just didn't work out this time and actually a point was made during that beanie man i think made the point as well that if it had been harry it might have went better yeah but they said that they didn't relate to william and kate at all and i was like it's because like harry seems good crack and william doesn't seem as good crack but harry also just clearly is progressive and like sees things like racism as very real problems yeah and i'm not saying that will doesn't but like you know he the reputation is different maybe william has or or harry has been a lot more um outspoken about the racism that his wife receives and and all that um yes but i was like god poor william's gonna absolutely do and like (laughs) your bad at your job and they like your brother better oh poor will and balding um (laughs) Aoife that's it from us this week but uh Aoife will be back on with me next week um thank you so much for being part of this I love you so much the Beyonce of Derry Aoife Moore political correspondent with the Irish Examiner 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Marion Keyes is a multi-million copy best-selling author, but of course you probably know that. And she recently released Again Rachel, a sequel to Rachel's Holiday, the book that made me fall in love with her more than 20 years ago, which makes me feel... 100 years old but that's fine we'll move on um you probably know her and love her if you haven't read her books I can't encourage you to do it enough um and you know I always just want to tell people that everything you hope Marion Keys will be she is she is the warmest kindest most generous person so encouraging um has been so encouraging to me so supportive of me doing this podcast and every endeavor I've done since I've known her and I know countless people who would say the same she is honestly like a, a magic person and I adore her recently she welcomed me into her home as uh, where we chatted for the podcast about the book and why releasing this one into the world has felt a little bit different. I hope you enjoy. So I guess the first question I want to ask you is, how are you feeling now that Rachel again is out in the world? I'm feeling absolutely delighted, Louise. Um, It's been a completely different experience, this publication, than any of my other books. Um, And I'm not really sure why. Well, I suppose, I mean, people were excited because they liked the character of Rachel from the first time around. But, I mean, I was very nervous the whole time writing the book, you know, that I'd get it wrong and that I'd disappoint people and I'd sort of sully the memory of the previous book. And I don't know, maybe it's getting old or something. Or maybe it was just that people were so lovely about it from the word go. And it feels like I've kind of become an adult, finally, (laughs) around what I do. Um... And, you know, I've always been so apologetic because of the whole, you know, pink cover chiclet, you know. Yeah. uh, It's only a load of of old girly rubbish stuff. And I don't feel like that anymore. I feel grown up and powerful and unapologetic. And I've never really felt like that before. And I, you know, I, and I'm kind of wondering why exactly. 
and maybe it's been the awfulness of the past two years, mm. it's kind of made me feel there's no point wasting time being humble or being beaten down in confidence. It's that feeling of like, I, I really did my best with this book. I really loved writing it. Mm. I loved the characters. It was such a pleasure to um, to kind of revisit them. And you see, I've always had this thing in my life, and I think a lot of people do, that if you kind of anticipate disaster, that nothing will be as bad as you expect. Yeah. And then you'll sort of feel the bit of relief. And, you know, it's been a sort of a, a coping mechanism or a survival skill. And... Uh, I don't know. It just maybe it's just served its purpose now. Yeah. I mean, maybe the next book would be horrendous again. But no, <laughs> I'm sorry. I I I am I am so grateful. I'm so happy. Like it's been above and beyond what I ever hoped for. I love to hear you say that because I hate to think of you feeling apologetic for what you do because. It, your books mean so much to so many people. And I've told you before, you know, it's I've written literally a book about the fact that I grew up with a lot of alcoholism in my life and my family. And I first read Rachel's Holiday when I was 15 and alcoholism was still very much a part of my life via my immediate family. And I had been in counselling and I'd done a lot of reading about addiction and I felt I was pretty well informed. But reading about Rachel in the cloisters um, helped me understand even more kind of, I suppose, the humanity uh, in of addiction. The addict. yeah. yeah. And it was a real help to me. And I can only imagine that there are thousands, if not millions of people who also got something like that from that book and also from other books, because of course, you don't shy away from, from the real challenges that people face in their lives. So when you say you felt a bit apologetic about it, I'm like, how could you feel apologetic about something that has done so much good? Thank you, Louise. The thing is, though, like we're all a product of our times, mm. you know, and 25 years ago, the world was a very different place for women, mm. um, even though we were told it wasn't. We were told we were post-feminists and we were ladettes and we could, you know, drink like men and have sex like men and, you know, and but there was still so much judgment yeah. on anything women did and anything produced by women. And it was just so commonplace to dismiss books written by women about women as as sort of almost a niche thing yeah niche and silly and yeah so it's I mean and like I mean I also had internalized misogyny you know so in a way it was hard not to agree with them yeah you know and kind of think it's only books written by men that are the real books you know the male opinion is the default one yeah and it's taken a huge amount of living I think and learning um, to kind of say, no, actually, I don't have to apologize for anything. My books are as easily as good, you know, as men who write about family dynamics or relationships. Yeah. Um, but you see, and the thing is, and I've said this often, I get huge amounts of courage from younger women like you. Um, you know, the, the kind of, I'm 58 and it's the younger women that are a lot more fearless than I ever was. And, um, you know, it's so kind of lovely to think of you having read my earlier books and then you giving me courage to kind of own my own my achievements. It's a very 
symbiotic and beautiful thing. It is. Yeah. It is. So thank you. And, you know, thank you to all a lot of younger women that I really respect have read my books mm. and said that, you know, it opened their eyes and, yeah. you know, told them about sex and, yeah. you know, and as you say, addiction and, you know, rape and, yeah. you know, the kind of the, the reality of rape that it's not, you know, a stranger in, in an alley. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm feeling, I am feeling really good. And the funny thing was, like, my mother went into hospital just around the time that, uh, again, Rachel came out. And I was able to keep the two things separate emotionally you know on the one hand I was really really worried about my mother of course and then on the other hand I was really 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 delighted about my book yeah and again that feels incredibly astonishingly mature yeah and uh and I'm very grateful Mm. to be able to compartmentalize that's what I'm doing you are (laughs) (laughs) you know it's funny because you're talking about you kind of I suppose growing up either you said that earlier um and when I was reading Rachel again and when I was thinking about Rachel again in the context of me as a reader I was like you know Rachel has grown up and I have grown up you know thinking about myself the way that I was when I first read Rachel's Holiday versus myself now you know it's so different um and and it's so beautiful to be able to have grown with a character like that you know to get a sequel much much later is actually kind of a very special thing yeah thank you I mean I suppose for me also Mm. when I was writing it I saw how different I am to the way I was then and you know I gave some of that those qualities to Rachel um yeah, like I suppose personal, maybe that was it. Like maybe it was the, the, the actual fact of writing the book that made me see how much I have actually, you know, inverted commas, matured <laughs> or, or evolved or learnt or, you know, any of those things. Because it's inevitable for as long as we stay alive and not, I suppose, not kind of sidestepping any painful stuff via addictions if I if I live like that, if, if any of us live like that, we will learn. We'll become more resilient, definitely. I hate saying that word learn. I hate it. <laughs> I find it immensely sort of American and quite puritanical. Yeah. If we stay present for life, it will shape us. Yeah. And it will give us resilience. I love that word. You know, mm. resilience and insight into ourselves. Mm. I I mentioned earlier that uh, I personally found that Rachel's Holiday kind of taught me about um, the uh, more about the humanity of the addict. And I certainly was thinking about that again when I was reading it this time, because, of course, one of the joys of Rachel's Holiday and again, one of the joys of Rachel again, is that we don't just get to see the Walsh sisters who we know and love. And we don't just get to see Rachel who we know and love. We get to meet the the characters of the cloisters and which for me I think is my favorite bit actually oh how lovely Uh, I just think it is a very special thing to to see a kind of a fully developed picture of people who are living with addiction because so often people with addiction are actually just completely dehumanized oh totally totally othered yeah totally and it's the oddest thing because i mean addiction is very mainstream you know addiction touches almost every family there are very few people who escape having a family member or themselves who who is an addict yeah you know and 
like when I got sober 28 years ago, I mean, the whole thing of addiction was that, or alcoholism, was that it happened to, you know, old men on park benches, not women in their 20s who had a job and a flat and who cared about their hair and their shoes. Mm. Um, And thank you. Yeah, I've spent so much time in the last 28 years with recovering addicts and, and people who have slipped and recovered again. And I love them very, very much because, I mean, they're my people. Yeah. And I think addicts who are, are clean are so courageous. Mm-hmm. It takes such courage. And so, yeah, in writing the characters in the cloisters, like I loved them yeah. so much, you know, and I cared about them as much as I cared about Rachel and her sisters and Mammy Walsh. Yeah. And, I, you know, it, it didn't even occur to me when I was writing the book that I was trying to give a kind of a, a humane you know, picture of addicts. It just feels very natural to me. Yeah. You know, and in the cloisters, you know, we've got like a, a Vicon, Viscountess mm-hmm. yeah. who's addicted to heroin. And then we have somebody from the inner city who's also addicted to heroin. Yeah. You know, and I was just making the point without even knowing it, that like addiction is no respecter of class, of no. money, of education, of colour, gender, like nothing. Yeah. Um, but thank you. That's lovely. No, it's I, I, and I think that's a really good point that uh, that one about, um, you know, you can be a heroin addict in a mansion or you can be a heroin addict who's homeless. Yeah. Um, and I remember in my own family, um, a relative of mine uh, going to my granny, who was uh, a sober alcoholic for years. Um, she was very successful in her recovery, which we're all super grateful for. Um, and he was saying, I am not going to AA. I don't, uh, I go to work every day and I don't beat my wife and I don't, um, you know, I can't remember what the other example he gave was. And my granny said, yes. Oh, and that's right. what she always said yeah. whenever there were protestations it yeah. was yes yeah. like the, yeah. I good job yeah. but you know yeah. you're I not too good for that car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I haven't been arrested yeah I mean that's like a saying definitely in, mm. in any 12 step programme yeah. the not yets yeah. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to wait for the yets to yeah. happen yeah. in order to get well and that's the beauty I suppose of what we see in the cloisters as well is that you know the the journey sorry journey and learn can both go in some sort yeah, of black exactly, box yes. but the journey of people kind of going through the motions of of realizing you know the situation that they're in and the damage that they've done and then eventually the potential for you know a different kind of life it's just such a beautiful thing um obviously i have a vested interest but i i really Thank just love you. reading it can i ask because i'm obviously sitting here glowing in front of you and talking about how much <laughs> i love the books but you, but there are so many people who feel this way what is it like to kind of receive that it is indescribably lovely mm. especially because I was worried about getting it wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and the amount of people who've said that I didn't let them down and that I connected completely with the character of Rachel, you know, that like I didn't, I didn't just superimpose a new plot on a kind of a, a woman that I barely knew. It has been the most rewarding, in really joyous, really special time. And I am very present for it. You know, in the past, I think I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. You know, whenever anyone was nice about something I'd done, I was always braced for the subsequent, yeah, but. Mm. And for whatever reason, and again, I think it's probably the last two years, mm. I'm I'm so happy. I'm so grateful. And I suppose I feel that all I've ever done is I've tried my best. And that would be something I would say to, oh, yeah, 
I've tried my best and I have written the book that I wanted to read. Mm. You know, so I'd say that to anyone, any writer or anyone who wants to do anything. If you do what you want to do rather than what you think you should do, Mm. there's something about authenticity Mm. and honesty that chimes with people. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I have never felt so happy in my career Um, or kind of even in my life, despite my worry about my mother, you know, and everything that's going on in the world, like the war in Ukraine is just so terrifying. You know, I mean, but personally, I feel, you know, I feel so grateful and I feel so grateful I've been allowed to keep writing long enough that I was allowed to write this sequel, which has meant a lot to people but it has also meant a lot to me yeah. um yeah i i just i feel so lucky i'll stop now because that's all i can say but i do <laughs> i feel so lucky and you know i'm 58 and to think that when i was in treat in treatment 28 years ago if i had known that i'd written a book that was inspired by my beautiful horrific time in there yeah and then that a sequel would come out a quarter of a century later you know, I suppose I'm trying to say that like anyone who's worried about yeah. any addiction stuff, there is a great life. You know, it's a different life for everyone, but like it's so much better than being mired in, you know, the barbed wire of act- active addiction. Yeah. Well, Marion, thank you so much. Oh, my God, it's my pleasure. And I'm so thrilled about your podcast. Thank so you. thrilled and delighted. And it couldn't happen to a better woman. <laughs> really and truly, I'm so happy you're doing this. Well, thank you so much. And thank you always for your support. You're always so kind and so generous. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. We will. Thank you. You're an angel. You are. Well, If you know me at all, and I think you do, you know I love to talk about celebs. And in fact, I love to talk about TV, books, all of it. Um, And so obviously I had to do that on here. And fortunately, I've got lots of great people who can come and chat to me about these things. So as I said at the start of the pod, every week we're going to be reviewing some of the bigger kind of cultural stories of the week or celeb stories of the week as the case may be. And now sometimes it's highbrow, like talking about The Real Housewives, and other times it's lowbrow, like talking about Kanye. Um, And this week I am joined by Esther Omar Donoghue. Enjoy our chat. Esther Omar Donoghue, it is just so sweet to be with you again. I know, it's a dream, Louise McSharry. Um, some things went on, some things went down. We won't, we won't talk about them. <laughs> no, but we're moving forward. We're moving forward. And here we are in my little work from home office and we're having a stunning time. I'm so delighted to be here. Um, and it's really interesting to kind of be taking the show on the road. I'm still learning about equipment and stuff. So I'm actually, I was saying to our friends who are listening at the top that I hope that people will be a little bit patient with me as I get used to kind of making the best audio quality I can. But anyway, let's not waste time. We've only got a certain number of minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the joy of this being my podcast is that I can talk about whatever I want. Now, I still, obviously, I'm trying to think about you who are listening and what you would want to hear. But I, I never felt like I could go too heavy on the housewives on the yeah. show. You know what I mean? And Yeah. And now you can put that real housewives oxygen mask over your face and feed yourself first. And then that way we'll feed yeah. everyone else. The people know who I am. They yeah. know I love the housewives. Yeah. And we got some big housewife news this week. Huge. <sighs> OMG. Yes. Well, the real housewives, it's a franchise. I think I think we are we are a long time. We, like, I love all Real Housewives fans equally, but we are long time yes. Real Housewives fans. And then when it went on Netflix, it kind of got more popular, more people were yeah. into it. 
but it's been a tough time to be an OG housewife partner in Ireland, <laughs> hasn't it? Let's be honest. Because you, I know you want to invite people into the party, but it's also you're like, but I'm at the party since half one, and I set it up. But this is the thing, and I think what for me it's like, you know, there is a difference between watching a program, binging it. And I know myself because I do it with other programs where you watch the whole thing over the course of three months and it's all you can think about and you're having dreams about it and you feel like you're in it. Mm -hmm. But versus watching those episodes over 10 years. Yeah. Like these people have been a part of our lives for a very long time. We've seen them come. We've seen them go. We have references. We have favorite episodes. It's just it's a longstanding thing. But again, people will get there if they want to. But anyway, Real House Real Housewives in New York, one of my favourite of the franchises. Same. Set up in 2008. Uh, last season, the 13th season, it was a bit of a stinker, we'd have to say, I think. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. I mean, I tried. I tried. It's like, any, I, I will I will take them in all their forms and I accept relationships go through bumps, ups and downs. And so sometimes they're total stinkers. Some seasons, some car- some, pe- some people, cast members you prefer better than others. But last it was tough like they were filming in COVID yeah. they were going to venues that had nobody in them there was they, only five of them there's usually a lot more yes. yeah so they couldn't break off into their little groups and have conversations about each other which is all part of the dynamic uh, they had new cast members some of them you know Ebony K. Williams was new some people loved her some people didn't it was just there was a bit of a general feel of it was a bit of a, a buzzkill it yeah. wasn't the greatest season anyway anyway and they actually was it was so in fact it was such a an anti-season that they didn't even have a reunion. Yeah. They couldn't even put a reunion together. And you know, I would have watched the reunion. Like I, I would have watch. watched it. They, they could have showed 50 more episodes of that shite season <laughs> yeah, and I still yeah. would have watched every episode. But they were right. It was dead, in the, it was dead in the water. It was like, yeah, so it wasn't happening behind the scenes and they just couldn't make it work. So they let it go. Anyway, so this week, Andy Cohen, who is the Real Housewives godfather, he's also the executive producer of the New York franchise, Um. They've been having camps, meetings, discussions, multiple Zooms. I can imagine the meetings they've been having. And they're going to reboot and reinvent this particular franchise. So it's a two-pronged attack. It's a two-pronged approach to it. I'm so excited. Yeah. So one, the first um, aspect of it is they're going to reboot and recast the series entirely. Yeah. Like, so the... Goodbye, Luanne. Goodbye, Leah. I know you like Leah. I'm downstairs about Leah. She's going to come back, though. Um... Most likely from scratch. So they're they're casting at the moment. They're looking at actual real groups of friends that are not just all white. Yeah. They reflect the kind of the multicultural um, city that is New York and yeah. the reality of it. Yeah, um, because I mean, let's be honest, the the OG cast members and the cast members that were in the most recent series, they don't represent New York as it is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that makes sense. It makes sense. And so that's that's a... Uh, Andy Cohen was interviewed in Variety. It was a really long magazine... Or a really long interview. And at the end of it, it was... I think the, the it was... Uh, the, it was at the very bottom of the article it has this has been condensed for time and whatever coherence or whatever because obviously Andy can talk and he went on yeah. and on and on so it's a good interview if you want to have a look at Variety um, I should have recorded that and released it as a podcast because I would have listened to absolutely uh, and then the second um, re- the reinvention of the Real Housewives of New York franchise is they're going to launch a second series featuring former stars yeah. so you're going to get a little a whole entire new cast to get used to and then some old uh, familiar faces Jill Zarin Jill Zarin well Dorinda Medley yeah, Dorit. Alex McCord. It's yeah. gotta be, please. Alex is in Australia now, so we'll see, but we'll see. Nothing's off the table. Although I looked at their, I had a quick look at the, some of their social media po- uh, posts from yesterday in the last 12, 16 hours. So Ramona yesterday posted a picture for her on a chair, a peacock chair with a caption, life is good. 
So she's playing her cards uh, close to her chest. I would. I honestly would have been happy to leave Ramona at this junction. I think juncture. maybe junction or juncture. Yeah, I think maybe she was kind of. Yeah, I think let, let her go for a while. You need to kind of. I think sometimes with the the, the cast, you need to kind of put some of them in the sin bin almost. Yeah. It's like a Tamara in the Real Houses of Orange County. I yes. couldn't watch her. She was too stressful. Yeah. She was like. I'm in with the producers and trying to produce it herself and you're yeah. like stop it's too stirry and actually if they bring back Jill Zarin and maybe even I mean Bethany won't do it but a Bethany no. uh, one of the OGs who can put Ramona in her place then it'll be fine Ramona's just yeah. been mm. she's needed there needs to be someone to be like cop on Ramona yeah she's like the queen bee Jill Zarin posted yesterday a Real Housewives wearing a, a kind of a uh, turquoise Real Housewives of New York sweatshirt established 2008 with the caption, an apple emoji. Who wants one? Launching next week to jillsiron.com. She's been selling sheets and towels and all sorts on her web. She's going. She's like, now, I mean, Jill Zarin is OG, but she's just, t- she's kind of too thirsty sometimes. It was I know, too but much. I, I, I can forgive that. I don't mm. know. There's something about Jill that I just, yeah, I'll forgive her. You she know? is like the core of the new Real Housewives apple. She is. I think I am truly still just hoping for a Jill Bethany reunion like I, I would know. like to see that friendship like when Jill live. and Bethany were going through that friendship breakup honestly oh my, God. I, my heart was broken I was in Ramona's apartment and I was like did Jill just say sorry and then Jill turned up the holiday a few weeks later it was bananas oh so bad yeah. and then they hugged outside Bobby's funeral I oh. know but it's I think it was too far gone unfortunately it I think was, yeah. it's too far gone but and then your fave um, Leah McSweeney had a picture of her post mikvah which is the the ba- the, the, she, you know, she's yeah, she was converting she, yeah, yeah. Converting. so she said she was in her dressing gown two years later and it's official thanks to the people who supported me through this you know who you are and I love you this is just the beginning so it happened at the right time for her so it's a new start for her so maybe she'll be in the new old cast or maybe she won't but anyway so it's been changed up I love The Real Housewives of New York and I will watch it in any form same so I mean double the fun as far as I'm concerned yeah double the fun okay uh, in other news this week Amanda Bynes has been freed from uh, a conservatorship that she's been living under for many years yeah so the most famous person who's been living under conservatorship has has been of course Britney Spears she was freed in November or released from that in November 2021 Amanda Bynes people might or might not be too familiar with her name because she's really is she a who or a them going by that she's kind of oh she's a who now I'd say probably a them this is by the way reference to the podcast Who Weekly that if if you like this chat, you'll love. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, no, I think she's a who these days. But yeah. I, was th- I was actually thinking this and I was thinking if I was still in my previous place of employment and we were having this chat, I don't know, I would feel like we'd have to really explain who she is. But I think, you know, people our age yeah. know yeah, who she yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. The Amanda show, she had loads of like teen yeah. rom-coms and... She was on Nickelodeon and she was kind of just, yeah, she was... She's a huge star. She's a huge star at the time. Anyway, she's been in... Uh, uh, her in 2013, her mother Lynn was granted a temporary conservatorship um, uh, over her um, due to concerning behaviour, quote unquote. Um, and then she gained full conservatorship of her daughter in October 2014. And then, so it's been nine years, uh, but a judge terminated that conservatorship on Tuesday. Um, and she released a statement exclusively to people. She said, "I've been working hard to improve my health so that I can live and work independently." And she thanked her fans and her family. So she's not a stranger from family the way Britney uh, appears to be. Um, she's uh, yeah. So she's just she's excited. She's excited about the future, her upcoming endeavors. She's bringing out a fragrance line. Is she? That's what she said. Huh. Um, and she's been studying at. Um, 
what is the exact name of it? It's the, oh yeah, the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. So she's been, you know, doing a course there for a number of Fidham. years. Can I just say Which where Lauren, exactly where Lauren and Heidi went to college Excuse in me. the hills. Uh, yes, indeed. So she's been studying there out of the spotlight. She posts to um, Instagram every so often. She's got a fiance now. Yeah, she looks very different. She looks very different. Yeah, she I mean, she was in the Hollywood machine she's wearing the bandage dresses yeah and her big, veil huge glossy highlights the whole thing and she's she's not that anymore yeah she's not that anymore um, so she's earned an, her she earned her associate's degree in 2019 and she's yeah so she's well, qualified good she's bringing for out fragrance her lines. yeah good for her so she's free now now um, this I was delighted by this news and just like that they're coming back again oh yeah <laughs> Indeed. I'm um, thrilled. As I said on my Instagram stories, more of this trash, please. <laughs> Absolutely. It is complete dumb and I will I will happily, gladly, freely watch the hours and hours, hours of this. Of it. Hours of hours it. Hours of it. Yeah, if we had a look on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 49% approval rate in Rotten Tomatoes, a 30% audience score, but people are like, give it to me, baby! <laughs> yeah. Shove it in my face. Where else will Miranda orgasm? Will Che Diaz appear at a Kanye listening concert alongside Marilyn Manson in series two? Will Carrie learn how podcasts work? It's all ahead of us, Louise. Oh, oh, Esther. I'm just thinking about the orgasm. It was so troubling. It went on for so long. The thing about it is, like, I, you know, I love Miranda. Love that moment for Miranda. Love Miranda's voyage of discovery. Obviously, we all have our feelings about Che Diaz, (laughs) but I was delighted to see her having such a good time. But this, it was the sounds. I mean, really, so guttural. More power to her. I mean, like, I'm not going to shame sex sound shame anybody. No, not at all. But I just don't know if I needed to to see it. Because, I mean... We, she's it, not really. a real person Miranda Hobbs is not no. a real person that was not a real <laughs> orgasm no. so we, how can we shame someone that's a figment of somebody's imagination yeah. so, but it, I think I don't know in my friendship group yeah it went on for a long time <laughs> it was really she was really acting and it was not real remember let's remember it wasn't real no. so there's no shame involved you can do what you want you can scream sing the sound of music at the top of your lungs whatever makes you happy and maybe we'll have more of that. I hope yeah. so. Like, I want more of all of it. I want more of all of that. It is, it, and just like that was the most successful um, show on HBO Max, the streaming service. What? Now, yeah, but now, all the, now, HBO has been around since 1972. HBO Max has been around since yeah, 2020, but, but still. HBO yeah. Max has made amazing programs like I feel like I've watched like everything HBO Max has made in the last number of years yeah I can't think of a single example were they were they um, mayor of Easttown I think they were yeah well we'll just you keep talking there and I'm gonna keep googling no I'm pretty sure that mayor of Easttown was HBO Max like they have made some really high quality stuff and is HBO Max euphoria I think it is. You're so we double things here, and I think yeah, it so. is. It is. So and like, let's see that Mary Beeston is. Yeah, and Euphoria. So, so HBO Max has been the home to some real kind of well TV phenomena Euphoria, of yes. late. So yeah. it is actually saying something that it was the most watched. Yeah, um, and so yeah, so people are like, it's a total garbage. Give me more. I mean, they were obviously trying to right some wrongs. Uh, in the in this in, in just like that and maybe they'll relax more into it mm. it was a bit Sesame Street some of the lessons we were being taught yeah but but they also had to set up like they had to mm-hmm. you know there were new characters yeah. they had to kind of make time for those new characters but not let them dominate because obviously yeah. people didn't know them like I feel like they've laid a foundation for a good series too I'm yeah. excited I'm like there was so some really excited. good scenes like that 
that scene in where they're in the park and they're sitting at the picnic table and Charlotte um, is mad at Miranda, that whole exchange felt, and Carrie's kind of like awkwardly sitting mm-hmm. there, that felt so authentic to me. And like, I don't think we really see those kind of scenes of friendship of women of that age. We just don't see it. So yeah. like, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, because I mean, and Carrie has evolved as a character. And I think that was probably a, a choice in Sarah Jessica Parker's part because in the first, in the initial six series, it was like, it was glossy. It wasn't real. She never did anything. She never farted. She never swore. And that was fine because that's what that character was at that time. But now, I mean, seeing Carrie basically wet to the bed or peeing yeah. herself, she's kind of, I know that's like, it's just, she's been sort of more open and real and I'm taking a risk for her because she is controlled over her image and stuff. And that's not, <laughs> that's not like, um, yeah, maybe that's not the insight that we need. But yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of more real, quote unquote, but it's still ridiculous. But yeah, I love it and I can't wait. So hopefully it'll be early 2023 is what Michael Patrick King said mm. um, and Sarah Jessica Barker, they need to kind of line up schedules and write it and all that kind of stuff. So well, oh, Esther, we've talked too much about the housewives and, and <gasps> yeah. just like that. So Thanks. we don't have time to talk about Kanye. I have been dying to talk about Kanye and his antics, um, but I'm sure we will have another opportunity because yeah, he will not time. stop. Yeah. But he has been banned from performing at the Grammys is the short, mm-hmm. the short version of it. And Kylie Jenner has changed her baby's name. Yeah, I'm she, actually, I love this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, she kind of, yeah, had decided, do you want to call it Wolf, her and what's her, what's, um... The, the Travis Barker. Travis no, Barker. not Travis Barker. Travis oh, no. Scott. Oh, Travis Scott, yes. Yeah. Let's get our Travis, Travis correct, yes. Courtney's Travis, yeah. Yeah, she, uh, yeah, she's just kind of put up a little story there on... Um, Instagram saying that uh, let me find it I'm, I'm sorry I'm lost in my Kanye story you cool. oh yeah so she said FYI our son's name isn't Wolf anymore uh, we just didn't really feel like it was him and that's fair enough but yeah make the, make the choice I guess you think uh, Wolf is a cute name it's a cool name and then you get the baby you're like that's not a wolf well I do th- I just think like you know it should be more common that people say actually do you know what we've sat with it a little bit and it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel him because it's so much pressure choosing a baby name yeah I did read um, a story uh, Lottie Ryan you know Lottie Ryan's son's name is Wolf mm. And she was saying that when when Kylie announced that her son's name was Wolf, Lottie was like a bit freaked out. She was like, oh no, everybody's going to like connect these two. So I'm delighted for Lottie now. Delighted for like there's, there's a function on the CSO website where you can, and it comes up like pink and blue. You can, you can put names into the website and just see which names are popular. So if you're concerned or you want to see if every, is every kid called X or Y, whatever, you can kind of do some research and just see which is popular. But it's interesting, some years, like say if Rihanna had an album out, you can see that in whatever, and when and when will Rihanna have an album out? That's um, but yeah, you can you can track it. So Wolf's probably got, had a bit, we're going to have a bit of a spike, but it's all returned to normal. So who knows what she's going to call the baby now. I'm um, excited. Yeah. Maybe it'll be like, Joe. Yeah, baby Joe. Can you baby imagine? Joe. I love cute. that. Joey. Joe and Stormy. Cute. Joe and Stormy. Stormy. Stormy, baby. Um, Esther Omar Donahue, I th- cannot thank you enough for coming on and taking us through the week's pop culture stories. Thank you for having me. I'm um, delighted. Uh, where can people find you? Go to estheromd.com, Esther Two Names on Instagram, and follow me for intermittent posts and just hilarity. On social media, don't on follow her in media. real life. Not that, real life. She doesn't like that. No, it no, 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 no. <laughs> Thanks very much, Esther. So there you go. That's the first episode. Can you believe 
JVN voice? I kind of can't. Um, I'm so happy to have this going. I'm so happy that you chose to listen to it. I will talk to you next week. In the meantime, I really would love to hear from you. If there's something that you think I should be talking about or something you particularly like, obviously this is all new and it's all in flux. So feedback is absolutely welcome. Louise McSharry is my name, obviously, and you can find me as Louise McSharry on Twitter or Instagram, or there's an email address in my bio as well, which I'd be happy to hear from you on. If there's something you just want to share or an opinion that you have about something we've talked about, I really would love to hear from you. I hope you have an absolutely super week and I will talk to you next Friday. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.